Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Go big, dream big. I've learned that if you want to have 10 properties, it's probably about the same amount of work as 50 properties. It's this whole mindset of how you look at it, who's going to do it. It's going to take about the same amount of time, same amount of effort. There's only so many hours in the day. It's all leverage and delegating. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Benjamin Goodpasture. Benjamin is joining us from Northern California. He is a house flipper, multifamily burr investor, and a short-term rental investor focused in the Northern California market around the Oregon border. His current portfolio is just over 40 doors. He's under contract to more than double that here soon. Benjamin, can you tell us a little bit more about what you're currently focused on and a little bit more about your background? Yeah. So I grew up in Virginia. My dad was a contractor. So grew up on the job site every summer, swinging a hammer, climbing on roofs, painting. So that was kind of my upbringing. And then I went to university and studied construction management at Appalachian State University. 
So I have a very strong construction background. And then I did the whole nine to five corporate world where we're building small neighborhoods in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I was a project manager all the way up until 08 when the recession hit and I got laid off. So that was the best thing could ever happen to me. That was the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey. So that kind of led me into starting businesses. And I moved out to Redding, California, where I'm currently at. And that's what really kind of got me thinking about doing my own thing. And once I got out here, probably after being out here for three years, I started a rock climbing gym. So I know that's not real estate, but starting a business running a gym. That's what really got me my PhD for business. That's how I really learned business and entrepreneurship. I did that for about seven years. And in that time was when I got married to my wife. And that's when we bought our first house. That was 2015. So that's kind of where my journey started. Nice. Benjamin, I have to say, I spend a lot of time going direct to seller when I'm an apartment owner operator here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And whenever I talk to older investors, more so investors than contractors, when they talk about bringing their kids to the work site and getting them to swing a hammer and a paintbrush and getting them on roofs, all those kids burned out of real estate and went and got white collar jobs to sit at a desk somewhere. None of them actually stayed in real estate. Sounds like you're the exception to the rule there. You bought your first house in 2015 in Northern California, having started a rock climbing gym. When did you buy your first investment real estate? I would like to say that that first house in 15 was my first investment property. I did buy a condo in 2006, 2007, I don't really count that because there's such a big gap in between the two. And so my first property out here was a house hack. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners know what that is, but it's a primary house in an investment property in one. And so the upstairs was a three-two house and the downstairs had a one-bedroom apartment. And so we renovated the whole upstairs, furnished it, put it on Airbnb, and then we lived in the one-bedroom studio downstairs the income from the upstairs covered our mortgage, our utilities, and we had a thousand dollars a month loan payment that we borrowed from my father-in-law as a down payment and the rehab. So it covered all of our expenses. And we did that. That was our first call. It was a primary and an investment property. Yeah, absolutely. I bought my first house hack in early 2014. I live in my second house hack now. Similar situation. I say house hack. My wife and I and our soon-to-be kids, it's a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, 1,800-square-foot townhouse, but it has apartments attached to it that are covering the mortgage. So very familiar there. It sounds like you and I have had fairly similar career trajectories. Very different things. Beforehand, though, I was a full-time professional youth minister with no construction experience or anything real estate-related. Burr investing, house flipping, those are very rehab construction intensive strategies. Was that like your natural segue into investing? You had this background in construction, therefore investment deals that require a lot of construction for their upside? Yeah, I think that first house hack, I really got that taste of investing. I got to manage on a small scale property management. And it was just kind of a really easy way to get in the game. And then our second house we bought was a huge remodel. It was the biggest one I've done at the time where we're tearing out walls and 
it was pretty overwhelming. So we did that big project while running the gym. But the other house I started with, then it became a duplex. So I had two rentals and seeing that thing cash flow really well, this project happened. And then a little bit on our journey is we had a big fire that came through Reading. So I had to move to Tahoe for about four months. So we moved to Tahoe. I was working for a builder. All I was doing was listening to audiobooks and podcasts and just so hungry to get into real estate because I just saw that it was scalable. And with my rock climbing gym, I just didn't see that scalability and I was pretty hands-on. I wanted to be a more passive investor. So we ended up getting another property when we moved back to Reading. That was an owner carry and it was a great deal. So we did that. That was 2018. The same year, I also bought two properties in Kansas City. That was a really great creative financing deal where I put zero down, got the loan. My partner brought all the cash. And then 2019 was when I said, I want to go all in. I want to start flipping houses. So that was my intro was flipping houses. And then I started telling everybody, I was like, I'm going to start flipping houses. That's my thing. So I told my brother that and he was like, hey, I'm doing hard money loans. I'm like, really? I was like, let's talk. And so I started looking at properties. We got our first one at the end of 2019. We made about 40K on it. It was a great deal. And then going into 2020, that's when the coronavirus hit, pandemic. I had to shut down the gym for two months. But right during that time, I made an offer on another flip. Got it. I made another offer on a five unit, which was my first burr. So while the gym was closed, I just went all in. I started hiring people and we just started doing it. That's when we did our first burr. And that was a huge learning curve. You said that's when I started hiring people. Are you talking about 1099 contractors to knock us out? Or were you trying to put together a rehab crew that would work for you into the future? Yeah, I started putting a rehab crew together. I think I had maybe two employees and that slowly started building the more we did it. And at the end of that year, I did several other flips. And luckily at the end of the year, I sold two businesses. I sold the rock climbing gym. I started an Airbnb management company. We sold that. And then 2021 was when we actually went full time into real estate. And that's where we, we had huge growth where we went from 10 doors to at one time we had 65 doors. Gotcha. You had 65. You're at 41 now, I believe. What led you to sell off some of the portfolio? We bought these three multifamily properties that I didn't really like the location. I knew it was going to be a great flip. I bought it really cheap. So it was a flip that we made $400,000 on and I did no work. All the work that I did was some septic work. So it was such a high profit flip. It made more sense to sell it than to keep them. I've had a few of those. You know, like I said earlier, we have fairly similar investing trajectories. Again, I didn't have your construction experience or education coming in, but I've been very similar. And there have been times when I've burned properties when it just made sense to sell them a two family, a six unit. I've got a couple others here coming up that may make more sense to sell than keep, depending on how the economy goes through the end of 2022. We're recording in early September now. 
it's become really trendy for podcasters like me and the other best ever hosts to ask where people think the market is going. So this episode won't air for a little while. There will inevitably have been some change. And while I don't want to ask you to look into a crystal ball and tell me what the end of 2022 or 2023 look like, let me ask Benjamin, how are you or are you adapting your investment strategy or your acquisition strategy, given everything that's happening in the market, in the economy, in global politics right now? Great question. I appreciate you, Sam. We don't have a crystal ball. No one knows where it's going. I think there's going to be a lot more deals coming, especially going into the winter and holiday season. Things just slow down. And if things sit people are motivated to sell, then there's going to be more price reductions. I think November, December is probably my favorite month to buy because most buyers are busy and occupied doing the holiday thing. So I think there's an opportunity there. For me with our pivot is I'm finding that it's really hard to get deals on market and off market. I'm finding there's a big disconnect between the selling price and actually what we can buy it for to make the numbers work. So what I'm doing is I'm finding bigger deals. I'm looking at bigger deals, deals that require a lot of creativity. For example, a property that has storage units and seven single family homes. It's not very conforming. And so how can I buy this, split the lots, maybe keep one, sell one, or what I'm looking at right now, we're in contract on a hotel, RV park, cabin rentals. So that deal makes sense because there's going to be 66 doors and there's a ton of ad value opportunity there. So I'm looking at things like that, or even we just got in a contract on four houses on three lots and there's multiple exit strategies for both of those. I can divide it up into four lots and sell them off individually, or I can sell them off into two lots or I can keep them and burr them. So Having multiple exits, I think, is important going into a lot of uncertainty with interest rates and buying and selling. So that's kind of my strategy. I'm trying to go bigger. I want to hold more real estate. So that's why I'm buying bigger deals. And let me add one more thing. And part of that is I do have two flips I'm selling right now. One of them I thought would be a home run, grand slam, amazing remodel, awesome location, and it's still on the market. We actually just got an offer. I think it's going to be an escrow today or tomorrow. But it's taken about two and a half months to get oh, it on wow. the contract. And that's not what we're used to, right? The last couple of years have just been such a hot market. And we're getting more into a normal cycle where things take time to sell. Buying your house is one of the biggest decisions that a buyer makes. So they normally take their time. So it's different versus low interest rates. People are buying as fast as they can. So I'm still getting used to that. I don't like how long it's taking to sell my flips. So that's why I'm slowing down the flipping game. I'm investing in more of the buy and hold stuff right now. Yeah, that makes sense. In Cincinnati, I'm also a residential real estate agent. I know in Cincinnati, there are a lot of high-powered, savvy house flippers who are shying away from longer flips, the things that'll take nine months to do instead of three months for that reason. And because they're much more willing to predict what the market will look like three months from now than nine months from now. And, you know, most 
most hold strategies are much more recession resistant because the properties have the ability to cash flow at least for a number of years before any volatility in the property's value would actually impact the property. Mm-hmm. I want to do a bit of a deep dive here, given the similarities in our investing and in our operations. Benjamin, I am working on doubling, if not tripling the size of my rehab crews. I just split one crew into two and I'll have twice as many rehabbers working for me as I did this time a month ago. And I need to do that again. Mm -hmm. So let me ask, when it comes to building out your rehab crews, and mine will be primarily apartment turn focused. Some of it is just the purely cosmetic paint and a countertop and sometimes the cabinets and some of it in my portfolio right now is taking out the wall between the kitchen and the living rooms to open up the floor plan change the footprint of the kitchen move the electrical move the plumbing things like that so i'm not just looking for people who can paint and carpet what are your top lessons learned from managing your own rehabbers given your experience and also the skills and education that you brought into investing with you It's a great question. I think having a great project manager is very important. That person that is very present on the site, they're communicating with the rehab team, they're scheduling, they're supplying materials, they're making sure to keep the workers busy so where they're not having to run errands and that sort of thing. So I think the organization is so important. And you learn by doing it. We did a 16-unit apartment complex, and we never done one that big before. We didn't know we needed to have big storage containers to store material and things like that. We used units, and it wasn't very efficient. We were having to move flooring and appliances from one unit to the next to get that done. And that's kind of what we did. We kind of limped along. We made it happen. But it was great as a team. When we got done with that project, we came together, and we were like, what did we learn here? How can we do that differently? We learned a lot of lessons. One lesson we learned is making sure you identify your lead construction guy, having at least one leader on site who is in charge of everyone. That was something that we learned. So we identified that, making sure that person feels empowered and seen by the crew as the leader. And it doesn't mean they're the most knowledgeable. Sometimes it's the best communicator and the one that's most confident that is able to stick to deadlines and also that can communicate clearly. So that was two big things. I think communication is important and also make sure you're hiring people that fit your culture. We had to let go of a couple of people that just didn't fit the culture. There was drama, there was gossip. So what I've learned also is that the whole saying of slow to hire, quick to fire and we did that because it was just causing this negative effect on our culture when we had a couple of guys that were doing those things. We just had to get rid of them, even though that slowed us down. And I'm sure you know, it's hard to find good workers. There's oh, not yeah. that many people out there that want to work. So it's kind of scary to let someone go, even though they're a good worker, but they're not a good fit. They're causing negative harm to the whole community. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. 
Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss, they have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to their latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. Benjamin. I'm imagining, given your experience, that you made yourself the project manager for for quite a while, especially when your gym was closed. I don't want to ask how long you were the project manager. How many projects did you have going at once before you began to identify who the quote-unquote foreman of each of your crew could be? Yeah, I probably had five or six projects going on at one time that I was managing, and then it was actually pretty cool what happened. I eventually started working myself out of being on site. I was still project managing, ordering materials, scheduling. And then I had several guys that were more of the leads. And then I hired an assistant. It was probably my first big hire. I hired an assistant. That was a full-time job. And she helped me with my organization, with ordering, paying contractors, opening mail. When you start building up all these rentals, the amount of mail you get is insane. And like, I hate opening mail. It's like the worst thing. So she started helping me with that. And then I started giving her more responsibility. And then she started project managing stuff on her own. And that's how she stepped into that position. It started out as an assistant. And I didn't even think she'd be a project manager. And then she started doing it and doing it really well. But then she started managing the projects for me. And then I would only go to each project maybe two to four times while I was getting done. So that was great. That is Freed up a lot of my time. You said, and I agree, that one of your primary focuses when hiring people, including rehabbers, is that they need to be a cultural fit for your team and for your organization. Benjamin, for you specifically, what does that mean? Great question. I think that... For our culture, there's several things that are important to me. One is just a good attitude. Somebody that I can sit down with, have a great conversation with. They have good morals. They honor, they have respect. They're going to show up on time, that sort of thing. Just reading their personality and culture. And also, number two, I would say just a hard worker. Someone that can get to work. If they see an opportunity, they can start working. They're not just standing around waiting for it to happen, but they're assertive. I really care about someone who's going to be assertive. They're going to find ways to contribute. Honestly, I think there are times to hire the very skilled person, which is very important. And there's also times to hire someone that has got a great attitude, that's hungry, and that wants to learn. So I think it's a combination of hiring both of those people Because I think there's something about constantly training people up to be on your team, especially when it's really difficult to find the skilled people. 
So I think it's a combination, finding skilled people, great attitude, the loyal, good people, and then also find good people with great hearts that are awesome and then train them up and make them skilled. With your long-term rentals, I assume you're self-managing? No, I don't do that anymore. I learned that the hard way on my first five unit that I repositioned. It was a nightmare dealing with tenants and evictions. Barely got through that. I used to have to carry pepper spray over to the property because I thought I was going to have to throw blows with one of the tenants who was just crazy. It was just so intense. So right now I have three managers. We've got one that does all of our long-term stuff. And then I've got two different Airbnb managers. As you've scaled your operations, and I will say for our best ever listeners who don't hear as frequently from house flippers, the 41 units... uh, right now, it may feel like a bit of an undercalculation given the number of renovations that you have going on. For someone like me, who's much more so on apartments, for the amount of renovation you're doing, if you were strictly buy and hold for the last few years, it'd be much larger portfolio. Mm-hmm. So you have the operations to handle much more than you currently own because part of your business model is to sell when you're done renovating. Before we transition to the last segment of this show, within your organization, Benjamin, which responsibility that you've looked to delegate, which job description that you've needed to hire has been the most difficult and why? I would say the most difficult. I'm probably in it right now. It's requiring more from me, but I would say the COO role. And I say it, especially if you're a listener and you want to scale Most people that are scaling, that are taking, being a real estate investor and transforming into a real estate investing business, oftentimes you hear one of your biggest hires is a COO and that's the integrator. So my hat, my seat in the the business is CEO. I'm the visionary. So for me to accomplish more, it's the mindset of who, not how. Great book. Everyone should read it. Most people think, how am I going to do all these things? When you think about doing hundreds of doors and scaling and flipping, it doesn't make sense. And so you have to think who, who is going to do it. And so I hired a COO and I'm trying to figure out their sweet spot. Started out delegating them to do all of our deal flow. The deal flow has been challenging with, we're sending letters, we try PPC, all these different ways of getting leads. So Then I just started a mentorship program. So I fully handed that off to him. He's doing an amazing job executing on that, interviewing, doing this mentorship thing that I'm doing to help people get into real estate. And then I think with these new projects we got going on, I want to have him dive into it. So he's kind of jumping around. Really, the goal is for my COO to really learn all aspects of the business operations, make it leaner, make it better and have them implement my vision. So eventually the goal is that I'm going to promote him to CEO and then I'm going to go to the owner box, which will free my time to do other things. So I think that's probably the most difficult. It's really replacing myself in the business. I totally get that. For our best ever listeners who need to get caught up on the lingo, the term integrator comes from the book Rocket Fuel, which I believe is by Gino Wickman, who also wrote Traction. Two fantastic books for anyone who is active in building any business in or out of real estate. I also just finished Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson. 
which I actually felt gave me permission to not hire a COO right now. As much as I love delegating, I have an entrepreneurial personality, but not the type A entrepreneurial personality. I'm usually pretty happy to delegate things. What Michael Masterson helped me understand in Ready, Fire, Aim, which I recently read, is that based on the size of my business right now, the genius with a thousand helpers model is actually still appropriate. I have some more growth to go through before I get to the point where I need to hire managers, where I need to hire that integrator. But man, I tell you what, it's still not a fun place to stay. The genius with a thousand helpers, when all thousand helpers need the genius every day, especially I was feeling that earlier today, it can get pretty stressful. So I'll be headed in that direction here soon, Benjamin, and I'm grateful for your advice. Benjamin, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Excellent. We've talked a lot about books already, both of us. What is the best ever book you've recently read? Glad you asked, which is not a real estate or business book, but it's more of a life book. It's called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Great book. I read it when I was actually on a surf trip in the Maldives last year, and I just listened to the audio version. The audio version is incredible because he's reading. He's the narrator. Great animated guy. So I just love that book and recommend it because of all the rite of passage, the taking risk. You just hear all these incredible stories of him taking risk, listen to his heart, his gut. And also things you hear him say where he valuable lessons of saying no to things and saying yes. So there's just a lot of wisdom in this book and it's just great storytelling. So it's very entertaining, enjoyable while you're getting inspiring lessons. Nice. I've heard a few people talk about that. It's about time that I read it too. What is your best ever way to give back? So something that we're doing right now that I'm excited about, eventually I think this is going to be a nonprofit for us within our company and something that I want to really build up in our community. It's basically doing surprise home makeovers. And so we did this recently for some friends of ours. They thought we're going to help them consult them with a remodel had this idea of surprising the wife and we paid and did this surprise makeover while she was out of town for a week. And so we did two weeks of work in a week. We filmed it. It was an amazing transformation. And they got back, huge surprise. And it was just so much fun and life-giving to be able to just give back to some friends in the community. So I think we want to do that on a bigger scale in our area. One, because it's going to make the curb appeal of our city better. It's going to bless people that maybe can't afford to do something like this. So that's our thing is to keep doing that. That's awesome. Benjamin, thus far in your real estate investing, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? I would say managing properties myself, being the nice guy, trying to coordinate, make it all work. It was one of the most stressful eight months of my life, dealing with a couple of tenants. I would say hiring a property manager. Management, especially in California, if you're in California, you know there's a lot of laws, a lot of regulations. There's tenants that know the systems. They know how to work you over. And they know how to take advantage of you. So I do not do that anymore. It's allowing me to sleep better. It's giving me more peace. So that was my kind of dream and vision anyways. This is supposed to be a passive endeavor. Even if you do have a manager, you still 
going to have some time. It's not fully passive, but it is much more passive if you're not managing it yourself. I get that. I self-manage here in Ohio. I do some management in Kentucky as well. Not nearly the level of regulation as California. I was in eviction court last Friday morning, but also when it comes to self-management, I have had a full-time W-2 maintenance person on my staff who wanted to rent one of my apartments and he had to go through the full application process. And there were a few times while he lived in one of my apartments that he was late on rent and I had to post a three-day notice on my own employee's door. Of course, I also knew that he made enough money to live there and when his next paycheck was because I was his employer. But as his property manager, yeah, I had to post a three-day notice on an employee a few times. Not fun. It takes an iron stomach for sure. Benjamin, Can I share what a quick is your... story? Absolutely. Please Just do. Add on to that. I had a, a tenant house hacking. We had someone live with us at a guest house. So we interviewed this person. Great connection. It was an older lady. She would watch our kids. We had this amazing relationship. You could tell she really loved us. We really loved her. And then when it got time for us to move on and we thought that she needed to move on, it got ugly. I'm managing this. This is someone who I thought had our best interests. At the end, she was fully threats. We had to pay her $5,000 to move. And it was awful. It caused so much tension on the relationship. It didn't end very well. I felt taken advantage of. So even someone that you trust and you think is for you, they go through something hard. Things can change. Last thing here before we move on. The word you just said that I most resonated with was tension. As an active owner operator, as a property manager, man, you've got to be able to handle some tension. I know for me, one of the biggest difficulties has been finding the balance between compassion and dispassion in the operation of my apartment portfolio for exactly the reasons that you and I just mentioned. On that note, Benjamin, what's your best ever advice? So my best ever advice I've got one for a newbie and one for someone that's maybe a little more experienced. If you're a new investor, I would say get started now. Oftentimes we think we need more time to get ready. It's the whole quote saying the best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago. The second best time is today. Get started today. Start taking action. If you are an investor that's just started, maybe you've got a property, maybe you have two properties. My advice would be go big, go big, dream big. I've learned that if you want to have 10 properties, it's probably about the same amount of work as 50 properties. It's this whole mindset of how you look at it, who's going to do it. It's going to take about the same amount of time, same amount of effort. There's only so many hours in the day. It's all leverage and delegating. Awesome. And where can people get in touch with you? Benjamin Goodpasture. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Also, goodpasturehomes.com is our website. Like I said, we're investors. We have an investment company, but we also do mentorships. So do consulting. We also have this mentorship program that we just launched. It's going to be six months. We're going to open that up again in the future. 
But if you want to learn about real estate, check out my channel. If you want to get connected, just shoot me a DM. Those links are available in the show notes. Benjamin, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend who's in real estate investing or thinking about getting into real estate investing that you know that we can add value to through our episode today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Yeah, thanks.